91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, I feel like just a couple days after we even pitched the idea into Kyle's brain, we are talking <laughs> about Broken Lizards, Club Dread, uh, or just Club Dread, depending. I'm really curious everyone's thoughts on this because I've only seen this movie once prior to this viewing. Mm. Yeah, this is um, my I, second watch as well. This is yeah. probably my tenth or eleventh watch of all time. Like, I, <laughs> this was damn. a common. This was a common movie in high school for me. Um, like, I, because to me, Super Troopers is the movie, Broken Lizards movie for everybody, right? Like, so everybody knows that, and that's their entry point, and that's the most quotable one. It's like all of this stuff. Like, Super Troopers has this kind of like cultural hold. Yeah, but. For me, as a horror fan who also is like of the age of Super Troopers being that, I was like, but Club Dreads, but Club Dreads the horror one. And I mean, watching it now through uh, adult eyes, I mean, it's been, I, I don't know how long it's been. I probably didn't even watch this when Bill Paxton passed, like, to be honest, which is kind of crazy because it's maybe my favorite Bill Paxton role. <laughs> but um, I, I, this was. And this is just a, such a, a frequent movie in my house. And I watched the unrated version for this because I have it on DVD, which you don't ever necessarily need no, to do. No, even the director tells you not to watch the unrated version. The, I don't have the rated version on the DVD. Are there and more boobs? Wanna, or, like, there's, literally, I, uh, yeah, there's more There's more boobs. And there's, there's two cop couple, characters that don't exist in the movie. That, yeah. That Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, there's two what? mainland there's two mainland police officers who come and interrogate the staff uh, and then get blown up. <laughs> um, no real reason. But, but like, here's, to. this is something that I, I found very interesting is according to the Wikipedia page, 
um, if you listen to the Club Dread commentary track. So it was there was an R-rated release and there was an unrated release. If you listen to the commentary track, the director of the movie actively says the R-rated version is in his mind the director's cut, which I feel like is a subtle way of him implying that like the movie didn't do well and the studio wanted to try to beef it up oh. by putting any deleted scenes they could into it and slapping unrated on the box. Which but is in just his, crazy to me. Yeah. That feels like such like not the... Uh, to me, that's never the way that it was. Yeah. Like, uh, not the movie, but just, like, why there's an unrated Movies version general, to me yeah. means that there's a director's cut. Yeah. But, like, or that's the director's cut. Yeah, but I think in his it mind way, it was just, like, no, this yeah. was just, like, I think it was his way of basically saying the extra scenes are scenes I cut for a reason. Yeah. For a reason. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like, right, right, right. They, and I feel that. I yeah. feel that actually, like, in the unrated version as I went back and I was like, 15 yeah. extra minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, this like, movie did not need to be two hours long. <laughs> Like, yeah, it was already a, a slog at uh, an hour forty. So I was, no, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I want to read I didn't actually, watch the unrated version. I'm going to read a quote. Very rarely do I agree with Roger Ebert, but I actually really like what Roger On Ebert had show, to say about you this. You agree with Roger Ebert a lot, just not with the stuff that we talk about. Yeah, he doesn't like horror movies very much. Yeah, uh, critic Roger Ebert gave the film a two and a half out of five star rating and wrote, "Whether it works or not." is a little hard to say. Much like Super Troopers, the previous film by the Broken Lizard comedy troupe, it has a it has lovable performances and very big laughs, but then a lot of downtime while everybody, the class, cast and audience included, waits for what will happen next. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like that is that is the problem with this movie is like there are yeah. points that work and they work really well and then there's the rest can you, can you elaborate on the parts that you thought worked really well because i didn't hate any of this but i didn't really enjoy any of it either i mean and this, so, this is exactly what my thought process was when i watched it the first time i just the only difference yeah. between my first watch and this watch was like missing bill Baxter. knowing what the what <laughs> missing bill, missing Paxton, bill yes. Paxton. yeah yes absolutely um uh, but no actually the, the really uh, the, watching it and understanding more of the jokes that they were going for did not really fix the fact that I didn't enjoy the movie. You know, like I, I didn't hate it. Like it's definitely not the worst thing that Kyle's picked in the last six months. Um, but, <laughs> That's good. But, well, I'm still around, baby. <laughs> but yeah, like I just, I just felt like um, so much of it was, it was just kind of like trying to make a joke and not like a, a horror joke and it's like the the we always make that comment about how horror is uh, comedy and horror share timing and i was just like how is it that these guys could sandwich such a shit movie between such great movies because they did super troopers this mm -hmm. and then beer fest and well, i'm like how because the, 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 the timing of those other two ones is fucking the comedic timing right. is yeah. there. But here's the thing. I've landed on this with Broken Lizard for a while. Is like, I think that Beer Fest and Super Troopers are the exception to the rule with their content, not the not the, the bar. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's because, like, watching this, it really established what I've always thought about them, which is, like, I don't hate anything about Broken Lizard, but it is such a like fret guy sense of humor that is like mm -hmm. just never hit for me the way that like it hits for other people um one of the notes that i was shocked that i wrote down and i'm not gonna give my examples because they both work as my double features double as well features. But, I, like, I figured you were <laughs> but but i i think like i think 
I would rather like this if it was just a sh- if they played it more straight as a horror because I think the comedy mm-hmm. kind of gets in the way of what would have worked if they just like just told the story that they were trying to tell knowing that it was absurd knowing that it was ridiculous and actually eliminate the like the jokes and just yeah. let mm-hmm. the scenario be be the comedy I think it would have yeah. worked so much better because then you get this stuff where it's like you know, there's like the occasional line that I chuckle at. You know what I mean? Like the very beginning scene where it's like, wait, my nipples. Like when she like yeah, gets distracted. Yeah, I did write that line down too. <laughs> yeah, I think like, that, that first scene is like the best scene of the movie. Because the it's, humor. It's also the most well shot because I love the like usage of the camera for the POV mm-hmm. of her head being yeah. decapitated. Like there's like. Yeah, very, very cool odd that that there. shows up there. You know, like it's just. Yeah. What a strange. No, because the rest of it is like when I was. when Even when I was looking for like a background for the uh video on the patreon i was like there this is a pretty unremarkably shot <laughs> like there's nothing that like <laughs> yeah. stands out yeah as a very like everything was just like groups of people all in the same shot and i was like oh okay there's nothing it isn't i mean the first scene's very fun and you're right i mean like this uh, having gone back to it after so many years there's not it it still is like a it's a weaker film it's not as funny and actually uh Evan, who I frequently talk about here, had a good point. He was like, I don't know how to classify Broken Lizard. Like, are they stoner comedy? Not really. Are they frat comedy? Like, you know, like Matt saying, like, I don't really know. And I was like, just general com. Like, is it just general comedy? Like, it's not so blue that it's, you know, well, ob- obscene, but it's also not. I- it's really, it's really odd. And also, I didn't know that they did a, um, a retelling of uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame until, like, 10 minutes before this uh, recording. Uh, oh, quasi? Quasi, yeah. Oh, it's because it just that. came out. I, and I'm not stoked to watch it. No, but we'll have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely well, going to have to happen for a, a Patreon episode. Look, I have I sat through Super Troopers 2, and I'm pretty content Oof. with knowing that, like, I am pretty much tapped out on, on their humor. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing that's crazy to me is, like, the – the the main guy I, I feel like the guy who's kind of like the brainchild of a lot of it Jay or at mm-hmm. least he's the one that sits in the director's chair he the does, most yeah. like he has an incredible TV directing resume you know what I mean like mm-hmm. the shows that he has directed for television I think are good and I think the episodes he did are good he did Undeclared he did Arrested Development he did episodes of Human Giant he did Psych he did Chuck he did a bunch of episodes of Community and Happy Endings a bunch of Goldbergs and New Girl episodes like I feel like he's one of those people and we see this really often I I literally heard a radio DJ say this one time sometimes working within a constraint of this has to be like PG general audience <laughs> quality mm-hmm. like actually helps rein in some people um, and it l- makes them be more creative on how to get their joke in in a creative sure. way um, and the example that I that I always think of with this radio DJ was he said like I was told these are the words you're not allowed to say on the radio and they and he was like you're anybody knows what they are there's words that you can't say he goes, but then when you try to find substitute words, you can actually find words that feel so much worse <laughs> than if you just said the words that you weren't allowed to say. 
And I feel like Jay works better in those constraints than when he's doing a feature film where he can do and say whatever he wants and he can, Mm. he can really swing for the fences and, you know, like stuff like the baby makers was really bad. And like the Dukes of Hazzard movie was all right enough. But like, I think that he strikes out more in feature films than he does when he's in when he's doing television because yeah. he has to fit within a showrunner's rules and like what what the parameters are that someone else set up versus when he has no guides <laughs> to keep him reined in. I think that's Broken Lizard's problem in general because if I see any of these guys on their own in a movie, I'm like they're great. They're so funny, they're so charming, but I feel like they work better in other people's worlds than their own 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah, and the the so it's a whodunit slasher mm-hmm. movie, um, which is is not bad because we get a lot. We had a lot of those in the eighties, um, and so I get the pastiche. I get it, but also um, the 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 two characters that have accents, I was they're so laughably bad that I was waiting for. I mean, both times I've watched it, I completely forgot who the killer was in after my first watch, and so I'm watching it this time, and I'm like. Does one of them like drop the accent and they're the killer? Because it would make a lot of sense if they did, and they right. don't. Yeah, no. And no, I, 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 but, I, but I'll give them. Too. I forgot who it was too, and I watched it. <laughs> yeah. uh, however many times. I'll give them. I'll give them this though. I feel like because I was going back and forth about a lot of that, where I'm like, all right, we've got a white dude playing Juan. Like we've got all this stuff, but I'm oh, like, you know uh, what? A Jewish white man. If, um, that's that's but makes still. it okay, I guess. It, I don't <laughs> but know. I was going to say, I, I feel like if their Cut joke that. is like, this is what the casting was like in the eighties, then it's like fine. But, but I almost like, feel like you, you should have a character that acknowledge obvious. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's not, it's, it, and, and the, the, here's the thing is broken lizard doesn't do subtle. No, they don't do subtext. Literally, their jokes are point blank. They're shotgun blasts to your psyche. That's, I mean, and that's, that's what, makes, what this, makes them funny. That's what when re- they are funny. The reveal, when they're funny. Yeah, that's why the reveal of the identical twin brother in Beer Fest is so yeah. brilliant. Is because yeah. the dialogue is so like, and he's told me everything about you, so we don't even have to do any introductions you can or just it, like call me by the same name. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like that's so. They're playing up the absurdity of that type of motif and like you said mm-hmm. without any subtlety like they are yeah. addressing the trope head on and this one it's like i don't know it just i understand why so many people were disappointed by this movie but i also understand what you mean scott where it's like i didn't hate anything about watching this and i can absolutely get how kyle has watched it 10 times because <laughs> it's a movie that it's like man if i just Need it to throw something on while doing other stuff. Like, it actually has enough of a just mellow ass vibe to me that like I could just throw this on and go like start working on dinner. What like it's just that like, was oftentimes what it was for us though. Yeah. Like it was like you know it's it friends hanging friends out in the I, basement it, background noise movie. Like it, dude, it's 100%. like you don't have. But then if you look you at the screen, there may be there's a, a good boob, chance there's there, boob. there might be boobs or a decapitated yeah. head or something. Yeah, yeah like it's yeah. Right, it right. fits that. There was vibe. a lot of decapitations in this, which is uh, you know obviously my my thing. Um, it, I had a really good time. Um, since I 
I was unhappy with the screenshots that I had originally gotten for our social for this movie. So um, I went back after finishing it and rewound to the uh, the scene where the DJ's head is on the turntable. Yeah. And I was nice. like, I, I got to use that. So, yeah, I mean, perfect. it's just... It, it, and also, that's something that I didn't really recognize the first time I watched it is that so many kills, because a lot of people, I think there are like 10 murders in this movie. Um, there's, a, but there's a high body count. There are, a lot, sure. there are a lot of killers, or there are a lot of murders in this. Um, but the vast majority of them are just kind of goofy, like Errol Flynn type things where someone gets stabbed in the stomach with a, a machete and they go, oh, and they're dead. Um, but then you have like some really hyper gory things and the like last, the killer like, 10 minutes of this movie works for me in a big way actually. yeah well it's <laughs> like, yeah. yeah and i, it's I, so I agree absurd. with you we it have leans to into yes. the absurdity where it needed to that's yeah. where it works so and here's the yeah. thing is that the when the the killer is giving his denouement and and his reason for killing people they should have kept it at the he said he had grass for me he said he didn't have grass, and then I went into the woods, and he had grass. That was my grass. And then he, because like at the beginning, when the masseur is walking up the the dock, mm-hmm. you see all of the scenes of people being shitty to other people that work there. So really, the best way to have done it would have been to have it be like so and so was mean to me this way, so they had to die. So and so was mean to me this way, they yeah, had the to die. The ownership of the of the of the land island is, yeah. is stupid and so here's the other complicated thing i don't understand why they did that though it seems like they were the, so uh, the close obvious to grasping right the, the, there yeah. yeah and they did it they just didn't stick with it it's so yeah. strange it was like a really I, weird weird movie when you watch it as an adult at, at who who deconstructs horror movies weekly yes. <laughs> you know it's yeah. like yeah yeah well that's why i didn't remember the fucking killer either yeah. <laughs> like it well, doesn't matter because like the 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 poignancy is the, not oh the, the the yeah and you know also did i miss a part where so you know the guys who are talking about how they want to you know like bang each girl um as the nat as, faxon yeah nat faxon's uh, little <laughs> academy award yeah. winner nat yes faxon. yes um that's right he has I, won like a shit ton of academy awards now screenwriting. <laughs> but my, my my question is did i miss a part where they they kept on alluding to them actually being gay for each other and that that's why they were doing that toxic masculinity thing. And then I, there was no payoff. I mean, was there a payoff where they? No, no, no. That's there wasn't so a payoff. weird, it's... right? Like that should that. I mean, and I'm not saying that, that wouldn't have been an insensitive joke. I feel like right. it would have it could have been done well, um, even for a broken lizard thing, where they could have been yeah. like, you know, I've just been saying those things, all these terrible things about women because I'm into you, you know, and then yeah. and then they kiss. Like they could still make it absurd. Yeah. By, because no, those the, are absurd the closest characters. thing we got was them jerking off each other into in the, e, like the, yes. in the air yeah. uh, to each it's, other. It's, as we see it's the like body all the these jokes are right fucking there, but right it's there. like they never finish any of the jokes. No, it's nah, can like so can I tell you guys? Finished. I I don't know why this just clicked into my brain. This has absolutely nothing to do with Club Dread, <laughs> but I've been wanting to share it with somebody forever because I feel like I'm the only person who's currently watching this. Like revival of beavis and butthead uh, can yeah, I, I only watch a couple of episodes of the first season listen or the beavis, new season. this new run of beavis and butthead has given me 
what might be in my mind the golden standard of the greatest fake out joke I've ever witnessed on television, which is there's an episode where they're in a sewer and they think they're in hell and all of the lights cut out and Butthead says something along the lines of like, hey, some demon chick is grabbing my leg. And or no, he goes, hey, I'm touching some demon chick's leg. And Beavis is like, that's crazy because some demon chick is grabbing my leg. He's like, and now I'm squeezing this demon chick's butt. And he's like, that's insane because this demon chick's squeezing my butt. And it's like th- this building, this building, this building. Then they turn on the lights and they're just touching themselves. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the brilliance of the fake out where we all we all know the setup of like the two guys in the dark, like misunderstood, like for the fact that they're so dumb, they're touching themselves kills that's, me. That's perfect. But again, I'm like, I see what you're saying too, where it's like, dude, just just go all the go to the giant punchline like absolutely mm-hmm. go to the final punchline i feel like they did a better job of the same level of toxic masculinity with sam sam levine's character because a they kept it short and sweet oh my god yeah stress on the word short um and then like secondly <laughs> he gets the best line he gets the best line in the whole movie when he's in the pool and he goes what the fuck something just brushed up against my leg Oh yeah, it's my gigantic <laughs> cock. <laughs> okay, see that's a good joke. That's joke. I mean. it's way like, better than the, the the demon chick grabbing my butt. Oh my god, I'm yeah. grabbing a demon chick's butt. Like that joke pales in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to take a break cuz I need to know if Kyle is having a Margaritaville or a Pina Colada Berg uh, as his drink with <laughs> I, 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 I did and was thinking about a Pina Colada Berg, but then I was like, that sounds horrible. And then I was thinking, well, a margarita with ecstasy could be fun. Um, but I just opted I just opted for Fisher's Island nude peach. Uh, nude, nude beach, nude peach. I hope you guys get the joke. I yes. get the joke. That's a pun. Uh, a I like Hey, pun. Broken a- Lizard, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> And I, I just have some some limeade with some Captain Morgan because nice. I was like, oh. Captain Morgan is as close as I'm going to get to Coconut Pete. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, the fucking music in this Ugh. is great. There it's are so like good. six so, songs. So yeah. not only is it so great, there's two things I have to say about the music. Thing number one is that according to the commentary track, uh, the filmmakers did screen the movie for Jimmy Buffett to make sure that he was okay with the jokes. And not only did Jimmy Buffett like it, he requested permission to sing some of the songs from the film at his future live shows. And oh I feel like God. if this movie had been more successful, that probably would have happened. That Man, that would have um, been so fucking Because funny. they're nailing it. Like, as a dude who's like, I am never going to sit there and be like, I'm a parrot head, but like, I enjoy a fair amount of Jimmy Buffett songs. They're absolutely nailing it. They're nailing the tone. Yeah. They're nailing the vibe. That being said, I mean, and that's Bill Paxton right there. And he, Bill Paxton's those deep crushing cuts it too. Like the yeah. deep cuts of like. Oh, Jimmy when he goes, Buffett that son of a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> mother, motherfucker. He doubles up both. That's great. Um, the He's, other, th- he is so fucking good in this. He's so good He's in this so movie, good. but at the same time, I feel like again to go back to what I was saying, where I'm like, I wish that they played it more straight. Is yeah. like I don't need this to be such an on the nose Jimmy Buffett parody simultaneously. You know what I mean? Like I sure. don't need him freaking out that he wrote Pina Colada Berg seven years nah. before Jimmy Buffett. Like it's yeah, like that those was are the long five minutes. It feels like two thousand four. Yeah. Like that yeah. just feels like two thousand four. With that is like, that is two thousand four humor. And I'm like, you don't need to anymore. Yeah. We're so, smart people. 
So the only other time that I watched this was actually, as we were talking about, in a friend's basement. I used to hang out in my friend Ed's basement in college, and usually he would be playing World of World of Warcraft on his computer, and I would just like grab a DVD from his collection and pop it in and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So we were watching Club Dread, and we would go to Quizzo every Wednesday night, and the Quizzo offered a free round of drinks to anybody who had the best team name. Um, none of us drank, but we always wanted to win best team name anyway. <laughs> and this movie is what gave us our first ever win for best team name. And it was from something that I just caught out of the corner of my eye, which is when they pull out a Coconut Pete record. <laughs> one of the album, one of the tracks is called I Could Tell You, But Then I'd Have Tequila. <laughs> and, I like, and I said, that's going to be our Quizzo name all the All the song names and album names on this were great. I did not clock that one, and that's fantastic. Yeah. That one's so good. I, I do have to say there is one joke that I cont- I always repeat and to this day, and now I have a goddaughter named uh, <laughs> Penelope. Ah, Penelope. Um, <laughs> I, and I will never not call did, her Penelope. Did you uh, read the story of, of that? Like there's a, so they were at Super Troopers played somewhere, like, like some film festival and Broken Lizard was obviously at the film festival and Jay and Kevin were seeing a screening of a movie that was featuring Penelope Cruz. And they said the guy behind them was like, Penelope? Who would name their kid Penelope? And they're like, oh, that's going in the next one. <laughs> like, so they good. immediately just clocked that as a joke for for the next Broken Lizard movie. Dude, <laughs> I, I say whenever I see Penelope anywhere, it's always Penelope to me. And I can't I could not believe <laughs> when they named their daughter now. Penelope. And I I mean we we call her Poppy all the time, but to me, to me, she's yeah. Penelope. You were like, "Have Penelope. you met me, guys? You know what I'm going to call this girl." <laughs> yeah, you should have. You should have vetted me. <laughs> to be, uh... Ninety-one Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, 
the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? All right, well, Kyle, what was your double feature with Broken Lizards Club Dread? So it can't be I Still Know What You Did Last yeah, Summer. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it I actually went can. To- but I I went to log on to uh, do the um, to do this streamyard and my background was still Jack Black and dreads um, so I was like maybe I just keep that um, I actually I'm it's not tropical but it is camp I'm gonna go with sleepaway camp I think that like I besides the machete fill uh, joke being so blatant uh, to me uh, I just think that it's also it's a little more mean-spirited, but also fun and a lot more, and a, a, a just as high body count, almost. Like, it's pretty close, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah, there are a yeah. lot so. of murders in that movie, too. Yeah. Sleepaway Camp kills. 1 is, like, maybe, like, 6 or 7. Sleepaway mm-hmm. Camp 2, I think, is literally, oh, yeah. like, 20-something people mm-hmm. yeah, in but a shorter I, 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 I was we, bouncing back and forth between the two. There but are a lot of kids that get murdered in their sleeping bags That's right true. I the, forget the about final that. scene. I think that we get yeah. into the double digits in the original Sleepaway yeah. Camp. Right, I don't want to be you? that kind of person, but... Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with another camp movie because I don't really think that there are a whole lot of tropical horror movies that I no. could get behind. I mean, it just doesn't seem like I almost like picked Teristas, but it sounded ho- – I don't want to watch that ever. No, no it's and, a bad and, movie. I mean, the first I movie that comes to mind Scott. is for me is The Ruins, but I hate that movie. Yeah. Um, and I would never Whoa. force anyone to watch that movie. Uh, okay, I've watched we'll it twice now. Um Oh God! Please no. Um, but we I'm did gonna it for go. This show. We're good. <laughs> yeah, we did it for this show, and we did it as Red Horror Club. Oh, it was okay. Painful. I'll go back and listen to that. Um, no, don't. Anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna go with um, Cheerleader Camp because it is okay. also incredibly over the top. But I feel like the I feel like some of the jokes, uh, maybe maybe a higher percentage of the jokes hit. Yeah. You know. Here's here's what I'm gonna say. And I hinted at this. There were two movies that I wrote down as my double features. Um, and I wrote it down because I said, and I'll repeat this, I think the horror works better than the comedy, and I wish they did this more like either one of these films, The Final Girls or You Might you might Be the Killer. If it was more mm, in that tone mm-hmm. where it's like it's still a That's comedy, right. it's still acknowledging the tropes of horror, but it's yeah. playing both of them straight. Like, mm-hmm. I think that I I feel yeah, like I I could I would much prefer to get down with uh, you start with Club Dread and then you watch You Might Be the Killer because I think yeah. that You Might Be the Killer has more rewatchability for sure just a, because a of percent. like the 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 pacing is so goddamn good I the like the Final Girls a lot but I'm also still salty. Um, uh, there's there's a tropical joke for you, hey, um, <laughs> but I, I'm still upset about the fact that we didn't get another one. Yeah, they set it up. They did. They did. I mean, there's still time. It was only ten years. It was only eight years, years ago. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> all right, Kyle, what have you been watching, reading, etc. That you want to talk about? I got to take this space real quick to promote that the Woodsman is dropping online July yes. 11th, July 10th, oh, July 11th, Christmas um, in July. 
Christmas in July, baby. We're oh, yeah, uh, we we are officially being um, we're officially being released by Dark Matters on YouTube. It's a UK based um, horror short film company. It started as a production company, and then they've teamed up with other. Um, with other filmmakers to put out shorts like maybe twice a month, uh, once or twice a month. Um, but as of this, uh, we, and I hope that everything goes off without a hitch. If not, uh, Matt, you'll have to edit this out, but, uh, we're going to be, uh, out there. You can finally see the woodsman, uh, which I'm very, very excited about. So, uh, thanks to Carl and the team at dark matters. It'll be out there Christmas in July. Um, other than that, in case you have to cut that, I, <laughs> Finally watched the Out There Halloween mega tape. Yes, uh, by our, from our friends, uh, the La Martinez Scott. When you when your fucking riffs hit and the first segment, I was just like, oh man, awesome! This is like, uh, that's exactly what. Here's how I'll describe the viewing of it. And I texted Matt about this, and I also put it on my letterbox review. <laughs> I Carly and I were watching it, and it is so effective that when. Ivy Sparks, our talk show host, cuts to commercial. Carly and I both got up from our couch to go get a snack from the kitchen. Two and a half, three minutes. Ivy Sparks comes back on. We realize that we have to rewind because they are not real commercials. They are commercials <laughs> directed the for this part of the movie. Like, we yeah. were like, oh, it happened twice. It didn't happen for, like, the second time, it was, like, Carly and I both went to our phone to, like, look at something. Like, and we were like, oh, my God. Like, that's not how this works. Um, <laughs> it's masterfully done. Um, I just, I, I tell, I'm telling everybody about it um, the same way that we've been doing. But, every, you know, it just, the ripple effect happens. He just captures yeah. so, that look and so feel of 1990s late night television in, like, the most beautiful yes way like it's fantastic and it feels exactly like it feels you know and it goes from afternoon into evening so it also like that first part of it with the talk show does feel like you had a half day at school and you're home yeah you're watching sally jesse Raphael or the ricky lake show or any of those like even like into the more like yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and then yeah watch it's just it's so 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 well done Uh, i'm i'm very very impressed he has two hidden commentary tracks in there too Oh, is that right? Good. You can't access it through listen. any special features. You just have to hit play and then change the audio tracks with your remote. Great. But it's like oh, fantastic. one of them is one of them is genuinely him doing a director's commentary track, and then the other mm-hmm. one is the actor playing Tony in character explaining the history of how he found the VHS tape. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> It's awesome. It's I, I'm just enjoy, I'm so enjoying good. so much of it, and to have um, people that I know involved, and like it's just it makes me so happy. It's so great. Yeah, no, it's it's top notch. All right, Scott, what have you watched that you want to talk about? I haven't finished anything that I can talk about with any degree of satisfaction, um, aside from um, Quantum Mania, um, okay. which. I, you know, it's been out on D plus for a little bit at the point of this um, being out um, on our on our feed. I liked it. I, I it was very much a exist within for two hours kind of movie. Um, the best part literally was Modoc's butt, butt cheeks. Yeah, his little butt it's, cheeks. 
I would say that that is a movie that is both not a great movie, but still very underrated because people were like, this is the biggest piece of trash. Oh, they're ripping it apart. That's what I mean. I'm like, this isn't a good movie, but I sat through the Eternals, bro. Like, (laughs) yeah, like I I will watch, I will go back to Quantumania before the Eternals. The Eternals is literally the only, I think it's the only movie, the only Marvel movie that I haven't watched more than once. And I've even watched Iron Man 3 twice at this point. Um, and yeah. that's saying a lot because I fucking hate Iron Man 3. But, um, man, I, I, you know, it's a just fine movie. I think that it isn't an Ant-Man movie. No, it's it honestly feels like a Fantastic Four movie that they just tossed Ant-Man yeah. into. <laughs> yeah, it's way too, I mean, I get it. It's very colorful. Um, I think that they're trying to kind of siphon off some of the the attraction that people have to the Guardians movies um, with the color scheme. What I felt was missing was that the the heist because really the other two have been heist movies and if Kang had been like this is a heist I would have been like okay it fits the mold. I mean I don't know if we're going to get another Ant-Man movie and I mean I'm ambivalent I I love Ant-Man um, as a character, I love Paul Rudd. I love his 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 resurgence, his revival, um, as as a as a as a star, um, like an actual star. I mean, because he's been working since the fucking '90s, but um, consistently. But I feel like you know, being in Marvel was a huge um, revitalization of his image, and he's always been a good dude. Um, but I just wish that we would have gotten a little bit more of the same feel that the first two had. But specifically, I really love the heist concept of the of the original Ant Man movie. But I mean, yeah. you know, it's, there's nothing offensive about it. You know, like no. it's not a bad movie. It's just it just is there. You know, no. and uh, I mean, I, I want to clarify this because the episode where I saw Quantum Mania came out about. Uh, came out the same week as some allegations dropped on one of the oh, stars. Oh yeah, and you do need um, to edit that out, edit yeah, that back uh, now, don't you? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna reel one element back. Fuck Jonathan Majors. Anybody p- can play Kang, but he <laughs> undeniably does a great job in that movie, even though he's a piece of shit. I don't like Kang anyway. I mean, yeah. I know it's hard to follow Thanos as a as a the big bad. I also just don't give a fuck about big bads in the MCU because these these cataclysmic villains and shit like they don't do anything for me yeah i haven't seen guardians 3 but i know enough people who have and high evolutionary is way more my speed as far as a, an mcu and villain goes that's where i was gonna go because that's gonna be my what did i watch uh in oh, okay. the like Perfect. least spoilery way but like all of the positive things that you're hearing about guardians 3 1000 percent. like this this legitimately i'm not gonna say it's my favorite james gunn movie but it is undeniably the best James Gunn Wait, movie. Wait, ever? I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I would put this above Slither. I'd put it above Super. I'd put it above the other Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I would even put okay, it Tromeo above and Tromeo and Juliet. And Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> so, is so, there a dick monster in it? Because then I can accept this. Um, I mean, no, but it is. it does contain the first use of fuck in any MCU movie, which is like only James oh Gunn could get away with. Um, but... It is. I I also still can say that I don't think it needed to be two hours and twenty minutes long, but I don't think that any of that time was wasted. But it's it's just it's so good. It puts you through so many emotions. You're laughing. You're. I wouldn't say you cry, but there's definitely moments that hit you. Well, at, you cry. 
No, I didn't even cry. Oh, so that's okay. what I'm saying. Okay, so that means I'm safe. I'm yeah. so safe, guys. Because I'm like the easy faucet of tears. Oh, well, I don't know, Scott, because you get emotional about animals, and this is all about Rocket's origin stories. I so. don't want to. I, I yeah. saw the one part where they where they um, yeah. show his, his, his It might hit friends, you like, harder no, no, than no, no. it hit me. Yeah, <laughs> but it's good. It's very good. It's beautifully done. It's lovely. Was missing a Lloyd Kaufman cameo, but otherwise, I think it was great. <laughs> um, and also, by the time this comes out, this will probably be done by now. But after 20 years of waiting, I finally got a season two of Clone High. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> thanks to HBO Max. Uh, it's it's good. I'm going in understanding that I'm watching a second season to a show that I've watched the first season probably upwards to 30 times and have like memorized it. So, like, the fact that all of the voice actors are 20 years older, so they all sound different. The fact that they've done the thing that I'm totally in support of, of going, like, oh, maybe a white woman shouldn't be voicing Cleopatra. Like, so there are characters who are voiced by different people. I don't love... I, I My only complaint is that I feel like the woman who they cast to voice Cleopatra just never watched the first season because, like, nothing about her character sounds even close to the original Cleopatra in the first season. But beyond that, like, little complaint, the jokes work. It it juggles itself beautifully being both a absurdist comedy from the guys who did, like, Spider-Verse in the Lego movie, but still being, like, a spot-on satire of... Whereas the first one was so much of a satire on, like, the Dawson's Creek, Beverly Hills, 90210, like, very special episode type teen dramas um this is definitely way more meta so like the first episode is all about being canceled but they're using canceled as the double entendre of both the show being canceled for 20 years and the idea of like saying things that were appropriate in 2003 when the show previously aired could get you canceled type double entendre it's very smart and funny in that and then the second episode is about being on the internet and I think one of my favorite lines of a TV show right up there with or in Scream 5 where the how can a fandom be toxic is a character going, I feel like I'm at my most helpful when I'm posting anonymously on the internet. <laughs> like, just gets it so good. It gets it so good on like what is actually happening in the world. So highly recommend if you were... A, I know that there's a lot of people in our Slack chat specifically that are big Clone High fans definitely watch it <laughs> it's they, a weird venn diagram y'all it's a weird venn diagram people <laughs> but something that was from the same time as clone high that i don't think held up as beautifully 20 years later club dread uh, <laughs> is picked by kyle from 2004 uh we will be back next week with even more horror movie night goodness Ninety-one Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to Ninety-One Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at NintyOneDonkeyLane.com. See you there, you donkeys.
Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 